0: This is Pastor Paul Begley. You're live on the air, and we just want to welcome you to the broadcast today.
1: Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on your program, Paul.
0: Great to speak to you again. Folks, just so those of you that have never heard of Sheila, most of you have, but there are some new folks that are here every day. Uh, Sheila Zelinsky is a former high-level government executive for the Ministry of uh, Environment. Uh, she discovered some confidential information in 2007 that led to her speaking out against the fraud of global warming and the entire green agenda. Zelensky is an internationally recognized radio host. She's an author and a minister. Her radio broadcast outreach extends to the four corners of the globe. Sheila examines the emergence of the new world order, the global governance the Agenda 21, the Green Agenda, Big Brother, Marxism, and the New World Order and the Order of the Antichrist System, transhumanism, and the rise of the false doctrine and apostasy in the church. Are you serious? She examined news and world events under the lens of biblical worldview and an end-time Bible prophecy. Sheila Zelensky is the host of her own radio show at 6 p.m. Eastern, and you can hear it on her website at www.weekendvigilante.com. Welcome to the show, Sheila Zelensky. Sheila, great to have you today, and we're excited about your brand-new book, Green Gospel. Tell us a little bit about this for a moment.
1: Well, it really is quite a name, Green Gospel. The subtitle is The New World Religion because environmentalism really has become a new religion. And what's quite stunning, when you really look at the tentacles of this green agenda, and that can be inclusive of Agenda 21, all this talk about sustainable development, all the Pope's machinations, it all goes back to the green agenda. So that's really why I wrote the book, Paul, because I am stunned at the amount of Christians that have jumped on board with this very devilish agenda. So that's what I get into in my book is I expose how insidious it actually is.
0: Now, how did this green agenda really start? I mean, you were working, you were in executive in the Ministry of Environment. So um, I mean, when did this green agenda really start?
1: few Christians today, Paul, are aware that the cry to save the earth and live in harmony with nature actually is deeply entrenched in the ancient pantheistic religions that really dominated the Egyptian, Babylonian, Grecian, and Roman empires. It probably actually started in Canaan with all the fertility cult, yeah. and it carried its way sort of up through the years to the 1800s to a very diabolical man, and I say in my book In order to understand global warming, I have to take you back to a very godless, insidious, and this guy was a really, well, he was a demon in my opinion, but Karl Marx was a self-admitted Satanist, and he fashioned himself kind of as a scientist, and he came up with all these crazy, deranged laws of matter that essentially thought that those with better brains have a responsibility to rule the world over those, you know, like us little useless plebs with inferior brains over here because left to our own devices, we would probably just kill ourselves, right, and destroy the planet. Right. So Karl Marx really began his rebellion against God as a student at the University of Berlin where he was strongly influenced by George Hegel's young Hegelians, right? So their goal was pretty straightforward. It was eliminate Christianity. And Marx and his followers absolutely loathed The Republican form of government, especially what was in the West, the American manifestation, they just absolutely hated it. That idea just sent Karl Marx right over the edge. So the concept of a God who would command humans to take ownership of land and prove it and defend it, that absolutely contradicted his state-controlled ideology. So the real nuts and bolts of the Green agenda really got picking up around the Karl Marx and then... I, in the book, I bring it up to how we have it deeply entrenched in everything today, Paul.
0: You know, and it's a great point you bring up the Canaanites, and you re- when you think back to in biblical times, the fact that the Dagon worship and Baal worship and these other paganistic religions were all about the environment, the Mother Earth, fertility. You know, the worship of the creature. I mean, Apostle Paul used this word. He said. You create, you're, they're, they're worshipping the creature more than the creator. And he especially says it would get that way in the last days or in the end. And it's a global thing now. And you're right, Christianity, we don't want to be embracing paganistic worship or paganistic ideals, but instead we need to be worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ and, of course, and what he did for us at Calvary. I, I also like the fact you bring up Karl Marx because communism, Marxism, uh, you know, and, and all the totalitarianisms that have broken off from that are always about worshiping Mother Earth in the end of the day and that people don't matter. And when you say the brains, I can tell you, we just came from a Menson uh, convention where my wife's a Menson. So she went to see what they are talking about. And, uh, wow, the whole agenda was about going green.
1: I mean, and yep. tell us to quit eating meat. That people, we need to depopulization starts with, uh, people
0: eating grub worms and ratfish. We need to go lower on the food chain. So Sheila, you know, you, you know, I'm telling you the truth that they wanted to run this by the Mensons to create this intellectual think tank to get ideals from the Mensons on how to carry out this, uh, demonic, if you will, uh, green agenda. They say it's causing global warming. And so can you help me understand, where in the world do they think that uh, that man is causing global warming or that what we eat is causing global warming?
1: Global warming is a term that was actually concocted. So first it was global warming, then it was climate change, then it was climate disruption, and now it's climate crisis or climate catastrophe, depending on or what geez. mood Al Gore is in. <laughs>
0: But you never know what, uh, you know, he invented the Internet, uh, he's, he's, he's the champion of global warming. I mean, the guy is so multi-talented. And so as long as he gets up on the right side of the bed, I guess the sun's going to shine. Uh, but if he trips and falls or gets uh, over-intoxicated the night before, I mean, you know, all hell may break loose on this earth. So I guess you're right. We have to wait on Al Gore.
1: Yeah, because Al Gore, you know, he he was, you know, raging and going on and on and on about how humans have to get their carbon footprint reduced. And the funny thing is there was an outfit in Nashville, Tennessee, that found out he had 50 times more than the average person carbon footprint in his 14,000 square foot house in Nashville. And then he was talking about rising sea levels and he bought a oceanfront property on San Francisco Bay. Like if the sea levels are all rising, why would you buy an oceanfront property, Paul?
0: (laughs) Because you know it's a lie. And, uh, you know, you, you do what he says, not as he does. I mean, that's uh, you're exactly right. He doesn't even believe in his own reports uh, because they're fabricated. They're, and, you know, and look, there is changes that go on in the environment. You and I know that. The, the earth is. It's even predicted in the Bible, prophesied by Isaiah in Chapter 24, of, uh, you know, earthquakes and the earth reeling, rocking, all kinds of things. We see Jesus even said it in Matthew 24. But to go on this green gospel initiative of blaming man for everything is just insane to me.
1: The climate changes. I think it's been changing since God created it. Exactly. I just disagree with how it's changing. The sun is the main driver of climate. Let's get that right. And of course, Al Gore says, oh, all the heat is trapped in the oceans. You know, in fact, he actually said at a meeting in Toronto, Canada last year, get this. He said, and I want your listeners to pay attention to the statement, global warming is causing global cooling.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Global warming is causing global cooling. Uh, how, how, do, how do you have a warming and cooling at the same time?
1: As Paul Begley would say, are I'm you serious?
0: serious? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. Are you serious, Al Gore? Are you serious? But he's not the only one. I mean, we've got a lot of scientific uh, studies, Sheila. There's been a lot of reports made. And the government has spent billions of dollars with this green initiative. I mean, can I ask you a question? I just – you were a, a, a government executive of the Ministry of Environment. Uh, can you tell us what you know? What your position was, and, and can you tell us anything about this confidential information you discovered in 2007 that would cause you to go on a campaign of uh, bringing the truth out on this?
1: Well, I can touch on a bit of it. I can't get into too much because I'm actually being sued for being a climate denier, by the way. So there's actually two pending lawsuits going on against me and my ex-co-host, Dr. Timothy Ball, who is a renowned climatologist. So I can share some things, but I do have to be careful what I say. But okay. what I can tell you is I can tell you that in the circles of environmental people, they all know it's bogus, let's put it that way. I was an approvals director, so I was about two down from being a deputy minister. That's fairly high up. You know, it's like kind of being the vice president of a company, right. but it's for government. So I was kind of climbing the corporate ladder, and what happened was we were supposed to go to this Kyoto Protocol Copenhagen Commission, and at that time, they were implementing these very profound sustainable development goals, and it would have caused a huge problem with basic capitalism here in the West. And so as I got digging into it, and then I met David Suzuki, by the way, who is a real little demon on record, and he... He actually said to me, humans are useless eaters and they should have less rights than a rock. This came out of the man's mouth. And this is a guy, if you look David Suzuki up, he also sits on the Al Gore's foundation, but he is a devil, this man. So there was those kind of things that were happening over and over that people knew that this was just a big hoax.
0: Yeah, but they keep going with it anyway because... It makes a lot of money. Am I, am I right? It, 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 it brings in billions of dollars in potential revenue for a lot of different organizations and, and uh, manufacturers. Even.
1: According to HSBC back in 2010, they said there was a um, hundred billion dollars in green stimulus, a.k.a. the green economy. It's big money when you jump into bed with Big Eco, Paul.
0: I, I understand it and there's no doubt about it. I mean. I see windmills out here, uh, probably about 500 windmills not far from where I'm at, and but I never they hardly ever turn. There can be wind blowing 15-mile-an-hour, and those windmills aren't turning. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, aren't they supposed to be generating some type of electrical uh, energy? Uh, but that's another subject. I don't know. Maybe there's maintenance issues. But um, you would think one or two out of 500 would turn every so often. But anyway, uh, let me just do this. Uh, look. What, when you talk about CO2 as a pollutant, uh, isn't CO2 kind of important? I mean, don't we need to have that to function?
1: CO2 is uh, not only important, it's essential for life. It's plant food, essentially. That's the short version. I mean, it's a God-given necessary byproduct for life. And if we didn't have CO2, plants would die and so would we. So what happened is the EPA, this is really interesting, the EPA got CO2 kind of demonized. It's like the new demon on the block. The EPA ruled a few years ago that it was classified as a pollutant. So what you breathe out is a pollutant, and the EPA got it classified that way.
0: Well, why in the world would you uh, say that the CO2 is a pollutant when we know that the, the, the plants, the trees, You know, they need this for their process. I mean, and then they yield out oxygen for us. I mean, we're messing with the circle of life. It don't even make sense. Are you serious?
1: Gina McCarthy, the head of the EPA, actually was one of the ones that went over to the Vatican. She's a top bureaucrat of the EPA. That's the Environmental Protection Agency. They got it classified as a pollutant. the, The long and short of it is they... They feel like because it's rising in the atmosphere. But here's the thing I want your, your listeners to understand. These guys say, of course, the UN IPCC says that temperature will rise as CO2 rises. That's not true. The only place on planet Earth, Paul, that temperatures rise when CO2 rises and it is in the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental <laughs> Panel on Climate Change that the UN runs which is I'm not even a scientific body. But the only place in the world is in their computer models, nowhere else.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, 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 so are you saying they're doctoring up the computers? Are you saying they're, they're you know, the fight is fixed? I mean, is that what's going on here? Because we got, you got CNN and MSNBC and, and you know, you got NBC. The peacocks even went green. I saw that on their logo. Everybody's going green. Uh it 's based on this scientific uh, information these computer computer models of the seas rising and everything so what are you saying they're just
1: see what they had to do was they had a problem we have to get rid of the medieval warming period that darn thing is really messing us up here so Michael Mann developed a technique using tree ring data to eliminate the medieval warming period, and of course James Delingpole, the author of several books. He's a, he's a UK author. He dubbed it as ClimateGate, coining that term, because a bunch of emails were leaked at the East Anglia in UK, and they discovered that it was all, you know, scientists were trying to get rid of the medieval warming period. It was very, it was a damning crack to anthropogenic global warming. Now, anthropogenic just means man-made. And the Pope even said in his recent encyclical, I'm pretty sure that humans are causing global warming. Well, when did the Pope become a climatologist? <laughs> but, but the point is, anyway, so in this incredible, absolutely stupefying, number-crunching mathematical wizardry, Michael Mann manipulated the data and he came up with this bogus graph that looked like a hockey stick positioned horizontally with the blade protruding straight up. And that became this very famous, hockey stick. And so this was the whole issue. Man's infamous hockey stick climate model became a popular device to convince the uninformed observer that the Earth was undergoing an unprecedented fever. And it was like that was manna from heaven from these guys because, you know, they finally could come up with a computer model that showed that the Earth was warming. So when McKintrick and McIntyre went to replicate this very famous climatological reconstruction. They were stonewalled when they tried to get his original data. He said he lost his data. They said, well, that's no problem. We'll just look at your algorithms on your computer. Well, every time, Paul, they put in any number, it didn't matter what kind of data they fed into it, it would still produce that exact same hockey stick. That's
0: incredible. And And let me just say this. When we say climate change or global, look, right now, we're in a 500 days to climate chaos. That's what the French foreign minister said, 500 days to climate chaos, and then my friend uh, Obama and John Kerry, 500 days. All right, so I've been wondering what the 500 days is, and obviously there is changes on the earth. Like, you're not saying that there's not changes. It's just that you and I realize that, man, they're blaming us. I mean, I heard a guy at this mythical convention say there's 7 billion eaters here. What are you people going to do when there's 2 billion more worthless eaters? We need to go down to 5 billion by the year 2030. How can we get there? I almost fell off my chair. I said, are we having this discussion? We're talking about how to get rid of 2 billion people? This And, and you know, there's, there's 400 people sitting in the room with IQs way, way up there. And, I'm, and that's at me. And I'm wondering, what in the world are they doing? Uh, how do we have this type of discussion based on what? What?
1: Let's consider the population for a minute. You know, if you go to a little county in Georgia, Albert County, Georgia, there's some nice big stone monuments with 10 guidelines called the Georgia Guidestones. And the first guideline on those megalithic stones say maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. There you go, in balance with nature. Think of some of these quotes, though, very quickly. Humans have grown like a cancer. They're the biggest blight on the face of the earth. That was in Reader's Digest in 1990 by Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA, the whatever that is, the ethical treatment of animals. The head of PETA said that.
0: Yeah, so we're being blamed. It's our fault. Uh, you know, forgive me for living. I mean, you know, I mean, forgive me for being here. <laughs> I mean... We were made in the image and likeness of God. And, uh, one thing about it, to, to embrace this green gospel, you have to d- distance yourself from the gospel. Am I correct on that?
1: Absolutely. Well, let's think about this for a sec. In the last decade, with the help of Al Gore, Paul, the National Religious Partnership sent out environmental literature to over what well, was close to 125,000 congregations in the West, to some 200 million plus congregants calling for the church to make the protection of Mother Earth a central message of their churches, even giving out grants for churches who go green. And think about this, good old Rick Chrislam Warren there, he's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, he's one of the Evangelical Climate Initiative. This is a campaign by U.S. church leaders to promote market-based mechanisms to mitigate global warming, and Rick Warren is involved in
0: that. You, You keep mentioning Al Gore. We know he's the guy that says he's leading the way. Now, he says the science is settled. It's over. I mean, we need to quit talking about it, quit debating it. It's settled. Now it's time to move forward with major changes, major cultural changes, not for him. He's got the fourteen thousand dollar house with all the different with all the lights on. He's like Motel Six. He leaves all the lights on, and and then like you said, he's got this new mansion along the seafront. Even though he believes the sea is going to rise, so if if it's all settled, uh, it, since when does he get to be the czar to determine that it's settled? Is he basing again on just bogus computer generated data? Well,
1: there's two things going <laughs> on. First of all. Science is never settled. Science is an ongoing thing that you debate. But he walked into a 2007 United Nations meeting. He said, "The science is settled. The science is unsettling, actually, Paul, because the science is all wrong. Your predictions are wrong. Your science is wrong. Your predictions are wrong. You know, you don't have a, a chance here, and they don't." And that is why that there's so many scientists that are being muzzled right now. But the UN IPCC, supposedly as Obama calls the gold standard of climate science, well, the chair of this committee—listen to this closely, folks—is a railway engineer. He's—he's he's got no science background. This is the head of the so-called gold standard of climate science. He's a railway engineer. And when he quit back in, he resigned back in February of this year. And you know what he said? He, what? He said, the IPC, my role as a chairman, it wasn't just my job. It is my religion, my dharma, he said. That, that People uh, can look that up.
0: Wow. Uh, Sheila, on your show, you talk a lot about depopulization. We just mentioned it a couple minutes ago, and, of course, tied to the Georgia Guidestone. You talk a lot about depopulization Uh, eugenics, and also global governance, can you uh, help us understand, so in other words, do you feel the New World Order is already in place, or is it just setting the table for its next move?
1: That's a really good question. I think in order to understand this whole agenda, Paul, you have to sort of understand there's three major components of this. It's very anti-Christian, very anti-Christian, so it's eradicating Christianity, bringing back a very ancient, occultic, pantheistic, pagan religion, really, that replaces Christianity as Earth Goddess worship, the Mother Gaia Goddess, you know, look no further than your Starbucks coffee cup to see Mother Gaia, and so right. the Earth is this living, breathing, sentient being, and you beer guzzling plebs, you breathe out CO2, and you should have less rights than a rock, you useless eaters. That's how they view us.
0: <laughs> I, I realized that. And, and, they, and it, it, I heard them when they were talking about we need to go eat grub worms, that we need to stop eating all meat because it takes too many tractors. We have to raise too much corn and wheat and barley to feed all these livestock, to fatten up all the Americans. So what we need to do is go lower in the food chain, start eating grub worms. But even the people there said, uh, and this guy was a professor and, and works for the federal government, and he said, we know people don't, won't eat grub worms, so we'll name them wood shrimp. It'll be wood shrimp, and we'll put it on the menu. Wow. Uh, so wormwood, worm shrimp, I, you know, this is where they're going, and because and, and we don't deserve to be on the top of the food chain no more.
1: Save the planet, kill yourself. It's really their mantra. It's really, again, about global governance, depopulation, and eradicating Christianity. So what they always want, and this is really quite stunning, Paul. I think it was two weeks ago, well, June 18th, the Pope came out. Now, did you see the Pope's climate encyclical?
0: No, I did not see that one yet.
1: No. Go ahead. Tell us what they... So it's kind of like Pope Francis is the new patron green saint of the environment with all his green theology. And what he's doing is he's putting his moral weight behind the UN right now. So you've got to remember that, you know, when you have a climate encyclical saying, listen up Catholics, you better do it and like it. And that is really what he did on June 18th in this climate change encyclical. He was talking about ecology problems brought to you by the Karl Marx conjoined twins there. you got to remember a little bit about this Pope. I mean, the same guy who's been talking about baptizing aliens and the aliens are our friends, and atheists are good to go to heaven. All you have to do really to go to heaven is do good. George Marion Bergoglio is actually his name, is the Pope's name. Okay. And so when you thought Benedict stepped down there and Bergoglio stepped in, reportedly Bergoglio took his papal title, Paul, after St. Francis of Assisi. He was of Italy, and he was the founder of the Franciscan Order, the Friars Minor. And like Hitler... St. Francis of Assisi was a very devout admirer of nature, first Jesuit, and the Jesuits were formed by Ignatius Loyola to act as supposedly strict upholders of religious law, which many of Pope Francis' ideas, they absolutely vehemently conflicted Catholic doctrine. That's the stunning part of it. So the, the Pope has been slowly getting himself in this climate change fight. So what happened is the Last year, all the Catholics across the globe had a Lenten fast called the Climate Fast. So they were all concerned about the planet, and they wanted to be running around saving the planet. So they had this Lenten fast. It started with that, and then it sprung board into Gina McCarthy meeting with the Pope, and then John Kerry went over and met with the Vatican, and suddenly you have the Pope now announcing that he's going to speak at the UN. And what they're going to try to do at this really big meeting in December is they're going to ratify a planetary regime. So call that a one-world government if you want.
0: Wow, a planetary regime. And and that's going to come out of a meeting that's going to take place in December?
1: The Pontifical Academy of Sciences came out with a paper called Climate Change and the Greater Good. And I actually suggest everyone look that up, actually. It was then back in April, the Pontifical Academy. So it's called Climate Change and the Common Good. Anyway, it's subtitled. Now get the subtitle, A Demand for Transformative Solutions. What they're proposing in this document is like Agenda 21 on steroids, on nitrous oxide. But what they also want to do is they want a planetary global authority. A global regime under a global authority with planetary scale actions—they actually put that right in the document. We need what? planetary scale actions because we need a profound reorientation of every human being on planet Earth to get with the program, Paul. That's what they're saying.
0: What they're doing, and exactly what you're saying, is they're saying that of course man is the problem, and so we've got to figure out a way to eliminate, to slow down the population, start decreasing the population and we need to start making every decision that's made needs to be based on the greater good the greater good climate change and the greater good so you know you should be driving a little tiny tin you know car it should be electric smart it in. Car. yeah you don't need a smart car you don't need to drive more than 20 miles a day stop all these vacations put the airplanes down you know we need less food being sent around people get out eat the grub worms in your, out in your yard you know, let's start this downsizing, downplaying of Save Mother Earth. It's Mother Earth worship is what it is. It's Diana. It's the whole thing. And so what you're saying here is this is going they want a one world government, a new world order, a global governance to every decision made needs to be based on whether or not you should be here or not. Some of us, they probably feel are taking up too much space, and we need to be – and they need to start deciding who gets to stay and who gets to go. I mean – this is a totalitarian mentality. This is, a, this, is, uh, this is the most evil, most wickedest, diabolical thought process that the human race could have to think that, that they're turning on ourselves, aren't we?
1: Absolutely, but it's also very Luciferian, and you're right. I mean, what they want here in these little smart cities they're constructing, and whenever you hear smart grid, smart growth, smartphones, smart meters, all this stuff is very insidious. It's just huge data mining, and it's also very sinister, the fact that they can see if you're taking a shower, what kind of energy you use, if you bootleg off the grid, if you turn on a power tool, a hairdryer. They data mine all this stuff they know when you're home, when you're not home. But here's the thing in this reality, of this green tsunami of globalism here. What's going on is, especially, I think a lot of your listeners probably are familiar with Agenda 21. Well, when you look at what they want, it's like global governance coming soon to a community near you because they're calling for dramatically increased urbanization. They're forcing populations out of rural areas into these very densely populated massive megacities complete with these stack-and-pack micro-apartments controlled by technocrats with the ability to look at every area of your life. And Aldous Huxley said, we will make them love their serfdom. Well, guess what? That's what I call hell on earth. That's not good. It,
0: exactly. It's not, and, you know, another agenda, we got, we got Bill Gates and all of them involved with his vaccination programs, these flu shots. And uh, and, and really, it's, I, I, I see that what they're doing is looking to go to vaccination sterilization. I heard that term used two weeks ago down there, and I began to think about that, vaccination sterilization, and we're already seeing here in the United States now that a a girl could be 15 years old, doesn't need parental uh, consent uh, for birth control, Uh, uh, the procedures that they're doing now, don't even, you know, but you can't, you know, you can't get a tattoo until you're 18, you know, you can't do this or that, so it's so hypocrisy, the hypocrisy, but it's all about making decisions for depopulation, there's no question. Let me ask you a question. What did Ted Turner say?
1: This is a quote, and first of all, I want your listeners to YouTube Ted Turner, global warming, and the word cannibalism. So just Whoa. those three words. Ted Turner, global warming, cannibalism. <laughs> what he says, get this. Ted Turner says, and I quote, in 30 years, I think Charlie Rose or somebody's interviewing him, and he says, in 30 years, it will be 8 degrees hotter, and we will all be cannibals eating each other. That's what he says.
0: How long is this YouTube video? Is it very long?
1: No, it's like one minute, two minutes. All
0: right, give me one second. Let's see if we can't just uh, I'll YouTube it right now. Let's, uh...
1: And again, you've got to remember, this is the founder of CNN and major United Nations contributor, good old Mr. Depopulation. He wants a total population of about... 250 million people that's a 90 percent decline and actually he says a 95 percent decline would actually be ideal and of course he hailed the efforts of his big globalist pal slick billy gates the modern face of eugenics as far as i'm concerned
0: i've got it ted turner (laughs) global warming will create cannibals we'll have eight degrees we will be eight degrees hotter in 10 not 10 but in 30 or 40 years and basically none of the crops will grow most of the people will have died and the rest of us will be cannibals. Civilization will have broken down. What the few people who are left will be living in a, in, in a failed state like Somalia or Sudan. Well, the droughts will be so bad, there'll be no more corn growing. Not doing it is suicide. Not doing it will be catastrophic, just like dropping bombs on each other. Nuclear weapons is suicide. So we've got to stop doing the two suicidal things. Which are hanging on and, our and, nuclear and, weapons, and, 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 and then, and then and after that, we've got to we've got to stabilize the population. When I was born, so, there so too what's wrong with the population? I mean, we're too many people. That's what that's why we have global warming. We have global warming because too many people are using too much stuff. But if, they if have, there were less people, they'd be using less but stuff. Bingo. Wow, are you serious? This guy believes this.
1: We have global warming because we have too many people <laughs> using too much stuff.
0: Too much stuff. Yeah, too many people using too much stuff, it's, and so we need to get rid of the people and you fix global warming. That's that's the simple approach. Just just do it. Make whatever decisions you got to do under a global governance, a new world order, to start eliminating the population. If you do, you could solve. Uh, you can save the species. Is that what he's saying? You'll save the species.
1: His good old friend Billy Gates there has a penchant for depopulation and. <laughs> a real lust for vaccines that knows no bounds. And he really advocates for a very extreme Orwellian kind of society that will be monitored and targeted for vaccinations. He wants forced vaccinations. They, they would love for the government now to mandate vaccinations so that you could have about 24 vaccinations each. Uh,
0: Sheila, tell us uh, right now real quick, where is your radio broadcast at? The exact uh, link here. I'd like to put it in the chat room where people can hear you. You're every you're on every evening around six p.m. Is that correct?
1: Yes, I um, broadcast daily. That's weekdays at six p.m. Eastern time, and I broadcast off Worldwide Christian Radio. But people can also listen to the live stream on my own website, which is weekendvigilani.com.
0: It's a great show. I've been privileged to be on it a, a couple times. I can tell you. Uh, you have a wealth of knowledge and understanding and, uh, and you dig down deep into these subjects, uh, especially when it comes to this green doctrine, this doctrine of, of the green energy and, uh, how everybody feels that mankind's a problem. You know what's happened is when we start looking at one another as a problem instead of looking to God as our solution and looking at one another as children of God, this is what's happened. Just that simple change. By simply omitting God, what people have done is they've omitted God from the existence and then turned and began to analyze one another, Sheila, to see who needs to stay, who needs to go to fix ourselves. I mean, when, they, when I heard them say they're going to build, they want to go to Mars and put a colony, I mean, it's like they've given up on Earth and they want to go live in little, uh, uh, little pods on Mars. I mean, is that the same crowd involved in this?
1: Absolutely. But forget about the who's who of the global elite. We get that those devilish players are involved. But what is breaking my heart, Paul, is is the tragedy that evangelical Christian leaders have bought into the most satanic scheme in modern history, and the evil Marxist cabal and their minions are not going to rest until they have total global control, whether it's political, economic, social, spiritually, you know, they won't halt until they absolutely nullify your religious freedoms. And that's a very insidious part of all this.
0: That's demonic. And that's exactly right. Take away our freedom of speech. If we have no voice, we have no choice. And um, in the last days, we do know that some religious leaders will start to lead the sheep, if you will, toward this global governance ideal and, and walk them toward the Illuminati. Uh, and the whole time they're doing this, tell them it's okay. Uh, That's part of how the Mark of the Beast system will certainly be implemented uh, because they'll get the blessing from many religious leaders. That that, that is the problem. Can I ask you a question? Who are the G-A-I-A?
1: Gaia. People call it a lot of different things. James Lovelock came up with the Gaia hypothesis, and I explain who Mother Gaia is, and it's part of this ancient fertility cult. And did you know that Hitler was actually a big, he was one of the first major environmentalists?
0: I mean, when wait a minute, this guy, whoa, okay, so he really, I mean, I know he was involved in a lot of occultist practice, I mean, he really was deep in the occult, but he was also, he went green, did he go green too?
1: Oh, yeah, all the, the National Socialist Party was very much an ancient fertility cult brought up to date under the scientific guise of eugenics, that where people make sacrifices and to be sacrificed for the fecundity of nature. (laughs) So they were really into fertility, sacrifice, power, eugenics. And think about this. This is really an interesting thing I found out in doing my research that his name was Gudel von Leist and he was a pan German nature mystic into Ariosophy, which means the wisdom of the Aryans. And it was very anti Semitic and thrown in with paganism and eugenics and ecology rolled into one very strange, bizarre belief. And it's interesting that the SS letters themselves were iconically styled after the fall of Lucifer. The lightning bolts were stylized after the fall of Lucifer, but it was also a representation of the Norse god of the oaks, which, again, the oak is very... It talks about the sacred oak symbolizing fertility. Yeah. So there's a lot of very bizarre eugenics, fertility, paganism woven into this green agenda as well. And Hitler absolutely was an avid earth worshiper.
0: You know, uh, we know that they were involved in the backbreeding, trying to create this perfect Aryan race. And they were discounting, of course, all uh, ethnic groups, uh, uh, groups of different... Uh, people of color, if you will, and they, and they were looking at folks that they felt like didn't fit the qualification, and they were involved in this satanic backbreeding uh, process. Uh a matter of fact, Russ Dizdar actually talks a lot about this from a standpoint of this. They were involved in satanic breeding, even, uh, to the point that they were trying to charge the DNA. They wanted the DNA, the seed that was being uh, transferred, uh, to actually have a demonic presence to it, to, to a superiority. And so this this mentality is still basically what I'm hearing. They want the doctors. I know now that doctors and nurses are being trained that when they make medical decisions, they should make them based on what's best for the greater good. Not for the individual patient no more, but what's best for the greater good. Is it better maybe we let this person die? I mean, you know what I'm saying, Sheila? This is the... This going green gospel is spreading like a cancer throughout the culture of the world.
1: Absolutely, no. And remember that it is a revival of an ancient occult paganism that rejects Christianity. Guy worship in this green agenda considers Christianity, Paul, its biggest nemesis, and it views the Christian faith as its only obstacle to their global religion, their Earth goddess, Mother Earth, Gaia, sentient being. Christians are in the way of that. And it's a very cunning mixture of science, paganism, Eastern mysticism, and feminism that has made this pagan green cult of environmentalism really the fastest growing religion on the planet. And we have to look at the fact that the Gaia-loving death cult here has woven every single thing in today's policies they'll have you having a, a breathing tax soon. There's a senator that wants to tax us for breathing.
0: A what? A tax to breathe? <laughs>
1: Are you serious?
0: Are you seriously serious? I mean, I mean, I understand. You know, the first time I saw restrooms, you had to put money in to open the door to use the restroom. First time I saw that, I thought, what? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then I went to Europe and they, you know, you pull to the gas station in Germany, and you're filling up the car with diesel. And then I go into there. Where's the restroom at? And there's a lady sitting at this desk, and she says, five euros. I said, five euros? Five euros to use the bathroom? I mean, what's going on, Sheila? I mean, are, are we getting to the point where it doesn't – there's no sensitivity anymore? And nobody cares? There's no love? Did you
1: ever, did think, you ever think you'd ever live in you a time sense where sense you would sense be sense buying water? water? I mean, that's a ridiculous concept, and yet we do it, and we don't bat an eye.
0: Yeah, I remember when I first saw bottled Water, I thought, what are we doing? That'll never work. We got water everywhere. Who's going to buy water? And now, because of the pollutants and because of, uh, you know, we're we're scared of what we drink. We're afraid. We're not sure. We're looking for something that we think is pure. And look at the water wars. I mean, Tom Selleck's taking water from the fire hydrants. I mean, are you serious? What's going on, Sheila? It it, it, it must be Al Gore global warming
1: the earth's climate just so your listeners are aware of this although this is a very grand deception it's very important to understand that we have to fight this very pagan agenda but don't forget folks that the bible reassures us that the earth's climate is under god's benevolent control the earth and man are god's creation and god created the earth for man giving us dominion over the earth so if the green shepherd turns up at your pulpit Speak up and tell your pastor you'd rather hear an emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel, his gospel, not the burden for the green shepherd. Wow,
0: I've never heard that term, but I'm going to use it now, uh, the green shepherd. I mean, it is true. We've, we've, we've completely removed the Bible from the message. I mean, I, hear, I even hear pastors say, well, we use it as a reference. It's a pretty good reference. But, I mean, they completely, it's not part of the gospel anymore. They're not preaching Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, his blood to redeem us from uh, sin. Instead, they have all these agendas and all of these uh, 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 organizations that are being formed. I mean, look at the gay agenda. I mean, honestly, it's taking over. But I noticed they they, the the green agenda, the gay agenda, the feminist agenda, they all seem to be locking arms and and walking in the same direction. Am, Am I seeing that right?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like I was saying on John B. Wells' Caravan to Midnight program last night. I said, we've got transgendered, transhumanism, transabled. What we need is to be transformed in the renewing of his mind. I mean, it's absolutely stunning That we have just a a culture where we're celebrating filth, and that's really what we are doing. Is we are finding new ways to celebrate debauchery, and it's absolutely. And you're right, like these little howdy doody down there at Lakewood Church. Joel Osteen, he says that Paul, he's not called to preach on sin. Well, if he's not called to preach on sin, I want to know what he's called to preach on, because you either preach on the full counsel of God, or you get out of the pulpit. As far as I'm concerned.
0: We have a lot of these folks that are out there, Sheila, that are doing exactly this. They no longer want to preach on sin. They won't preach on. They don't use the word repentance. They don't want people to change. They want people to change everything except their hearts. They don't want them to change their ways. They don't want to talk about sin because uh, they're living in it. They they're, they're walking in it. They're, they're It's. Let me give you an example. Of something that just blowing my mind. I thought I'd never see. All right, so we got the gay pride parades everywhere, okay? I get it. I know what they're trying to do. I mean, how many times you got to uh, put this in our face? But now we've got these people just stripping down naked, riding bikes through the streets or walking through the streets at, at these parades. Little children are being brought there. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, is anybody going to get arrested anymore for indecent exposure? What's happened here? What's happened, Sheila? What's happened?
1: Yeah, well, what I have done, I actually went to a gay parade and I got a bunch of believers together. And I was just binding those devils up in the name of Jesus. You have to start taking authority over our neighborhoods, too, though, because, I mean, the devil ought to know better than mess with the Holy Spirit-filled true Christian, too. So we need to start also exercising our authority that we have in Jesus Christ, because I'll tell you what, we have the same power in us that raised Christ from the dead. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: we need okay. to be exercising that. We need to be going out there and binding up. And the Bible talks about binding and loosing. We can loose right. warring angels to go and fight those devils. So we need Amen. to be doing that.
0: I mean, I've been preaching, I preached that this past Sunday, that the, there's so many unemployed angels right now. I mean, they don't, the Christians don't speak the word. They don't bind the devil. They don't call out and, you know, on the name of the Lord. They don't pray of a power of prayer of faith. So these angels are sitting around, unemployed, wanting to do something, but they can't until we put them into action. And I think what you're just saying is the time of the passive pew parishioner is over. I mean, we're in the final days now where we're going to have to stand up on our feet. Faith without works is dead. We're going to have to stand up. Look what happened to us. We've lost uh, so many things in our culture in America and around the world because we've been passive We've been literally just the placating the devil. We haven't stood up and stood our ground, and now we better start. And I, I really guarantee you, folks, we're in the last days.
1: Really, the fact that it's crickets chirping on all the big issues in the pulpit is absolutely appalling. But we just really need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and not bow down to the king's decree, right?
0: That's exactly right, Sheila. Praise God. Amen. Folks, Sheila Zelensky's new book, Green Gospel. You can find it at her website. Uh, well, you can listen to her broadcast as well on www.weekendvigilante.com. That's weekendvigilante.com. You can listen to her daily show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And it's always good. She always got great topics and great guests and just, and just really does a good job. And get her book. Now, your book is Green Gospel. Where can they find it?
1: GreenGospel.ca. GreenGospel.ca. In fact, I encourage your listeners to go there anyway and just check out and let me know what they think about the website. It's a little bit interactive. So, again, you can pick up a copy of Green Gospel. It's The New World Religion is the subtitle, and it's available now for pre-order, and it hits Amazon on Friday. And again, greengospel.ca. And I really thank you, Paul, for the time to come on your program. It's such an honor to be with you.
0: I, I appreciate you coming on, being with us and sharing what you what the Lord has laid on your heart and what you're you know, you're uncovering a lot of stuff, you're hitting all the right buttons and you're moving in the right direction with the word of God. And uh, it's time to expose the devil, make it open, show the devil. And I think that's what you do in this book, Green Gospel. I can't wait to get a copy. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks, Paul.